0: Welcome to the Door County Pulse Podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor of the Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, before we jump in, uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, earlier in the week, Deb sat down with Nathan Dragger to talk about Starlink, which is a, a new internet service that will be available in Door County. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I really recommend checking it out. Uh, they do a great job of going into kind of the, the the details on the beta testing that's going on right now. But I I wanted to say that since internet is is something that we have talked about on the podcast so many times over the years. This is a really promising and exciting development for internet. I, I won't get into the details. As I said, you should probably listen to that episode. But it's basically a low latency form of satellite internet with no data caps. So it kind of it it checks all of the boxes for availability in rural areas, no data caps, low latency speeds, uh, and, and high speed internet access. So definitely check that one out. I think that this could be a a cool step forward for a lot of people who have had low or no internet access in the county so far.
1: Yeah, especially where all those, the the gaps are. And I know there's been a a lot of concerted efforts up here um, by local companies like Door County Broadband and the county, our local municipal governments to try and fill those gaps, but that's still, that's based on towers and, you know, whether you can see them or not. And a lot of people just can't. And, you know, it's easy to say like, oh, let's. We're, we're going to fill that gap. But, you know, people need that service now. A lot of business people, a lot of people who work from their homes, they need it immediately, not five years from now. So um, to see this, I was pretty skeptical at first, but I've heard some friends who have had some pretty good success. So, um, yeah, i will be interested to see what happens. It's a little pricier, um, probably, you know, significantly pricier. But and you also always have your questions about like, all right how committed are they going to be like how good is this going to be once they get millions of people signed up like Is it going to change the quality of service? But right now I've heard good things.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of questions still in the air, but that's, I think, what this beta testing is, is to kind of figure out, like how things are shaking out with the availability and stuff. And like you said, it is about trying to fill in certain gaps. Like most people in Door County can get some form of satellite internet, but satellite internet's quality, reliability, and also just use case is very limited uh, in terms of what you need it for. Especially this year, I feel like illuminated that a lot because if you've got satellite internet and you're trying to work from home or Zoom or just conference call, that eats up your data cap really quickly. And so I feel like that was something that was a pretty major eye-opener this year too. Like even people who were happy with their satellite internet before, it it filled their needs before, this year maybe not so much. Hopefully something like Starlink can fill in those gaps a little bit more for people. Yeah,
1: I I think... This year, once people had kids home from school a lot more or in my case, whenever I've had like nieces and the nephews in town and all right, they're both both on their phones or their iPads or, you know, every, every device that we watch TV on in my house, it's always done through Internet. We don't have cable or satellite right. service or antenna service. So it's like, all right, you have one person watching a football game on on Hulu. You have somebody else watching something on Netflix. You have Six people on their phones hooked up to your Wi Fi, and you you start to realize how hard it is to, um, for all those devices to keep up. And that demand is, that's not going to go away. (laughs) People, that expectation is just skyrocketing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so looking forward, uh, this, Last week, it seems like the hospital had concluded most of its like 1A vaccination group and are now moving into their 1B group. So a couple of press releases came through. More information is available at dorkcountypulse.com. but I want to talk a little bit uh, about what we know about 1B and how this process is going to work. So it, it sounds like the hospital has laid out a, a sign-up. Plan. You can go on their website and sign up to be included in this part, uh, and and that has rolled out, and it has led to uh, some hiccups as well. Uh, so after they opened up the sign up, the website went down pretty much immediately. So I, I think that that goes to show that there's a lot of folks who are clamoring for access to the vaccine. But tell me, tell me what we know about this next stage in vaccinations. Well, yeah, like you said, the hospital opened up their
1: um, form on their website for people to sign up. People over the age of 65. And that opened at three o'clock and by about 3.04, it was down. So that tells you that a lot of people were waiting literally like they were buying concert tickets, right? And within 40 minutes, even though the the site was down, a lot of people were able to get through at various moments. So within 40 minutes, they had a thousand people fill out that form and complete the form. And I'm sure in the day since, they've had many, many more. So the good thing that it means is a lot of people want the vaccine. So (laughs) that should—perhaps, like, we thought there
0: were more anti-vaxxers out there than there are. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think the big thing to be seen, Will— will become clear in the following weeks, right? How fast does this go? What's the demand for it? What are the actual numbers of people who uh, are included in the group, but also who sign up to be vaccinated? And then how does all of that relate to the state's scheduling of of this vaccine rollout? I, I think that a lot of those questions may be, may be answered in the coming weeks, but I think as we're just starting this, there's still a lot to be seen in terms of how fast this stage in the process will roll out and what the next steps will be.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at 500 or so vaccinations a week, and then, okay, you start to add that up, you go, oh, by the end of the month, we might have a, a thousand. And then if public health next week, they will launch their vaccination clinics. And if they're adding several hundred more people each week, you start to see the numbers pile up. But we have at least 7,000 people in Door County who are over the age of 65. Um, remains to be seen how many of those, if you know, a certain portion already got them as part of nursing homes and things like that. Some got them as caregivers and then some maybe just won't get them. So you don't know what that total number of people who want the vaccine in that age group is going to be and who need the vaccine. And then how many might go to Green Bay and get it at maybe the Prevea vaccina- vaccination clinic. So there's a lot of variables to consider and like what that timetable might look like. But then you also have to throw in Three, four weeks from now, they'd be looking at some people already needing their second dose. So those 500 that got vaccinated in week one, now 500 of the new vaccines have to go to that group. So uh, I'm glad I'm not the hospital CEO or public health manager having to try and and manage these supplies and the logistics involved, especially when you don't know what the state allocation is going to be. So you get the allocation from the federal government, which... Governor Tony Evers has said, like, Wisconsin hasn't gotten the, alloc- the, the actual vaccines that they anticipated being allocated. And that's what Governor Evers said some of the slowdown is, because right now Wisconsin ranks dead last in the Midwest for pace of rollout. But Governor Evers argues that we're actually vaccinating, we're using all the vaccinations we have available. So there's, some, there's a lot of debate going on about that. But then how, how quickly can we get that ramped up? a right. big question mark. And President Biden was inaugurated yesterday, and he has committed to trying to get 100 million vaccines in people's arms within the first 100 days. So that means he's, his team must obviously be planning on a major
0: ramp-up. Um, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Right. Well, I mean... You you could also say that any ramp up would be a major ramp up based off of what you know was inherited. Absolutely. But the other thing too is like yes, there's a new um, there's a new administration in, and that will drastically change how this is happening. Uh, but it won't be immediate, right? right? It won't be overnight. It'll take time to get where it needs to go. Hopefully, it gets to where it needs to go quickly. Uh, but I, I think we're all just kind of waiting. The nice thing to know is that there should be some sort of from the top down guidance from, you know, from here on out, which is something that we haven't had for this in the past. So 100 percent. Yeah. So uh, I I think that that'll do Is there anything else people need to know about vaccines right now? Um, I, I know that the the sign up is available at the Door County website, and this information is all available at DoorCountyPulse dot com as well. We just put out this stuff; uh, it's part of our top bar when you log in, so uh, it should be pretty visible to people. But is there anything else that people need to know about the vaccine before we move on? Uh, just know that uh, we're updating our
1: website as soon as the the information comes across our desk. Um, late yesterday, Public Health sent the latest update about what they have going on, so we try to get that up immediately and put it in Pulse Picks the very next morning. Um, and also push it out on our social channel. So we're we're trying to do what we can to help public health and the hospital get the word out as things progress. Um, and I I will say, and at various points, people have been frustrated about lack of information. And I would say the hospital and, and public health are trying to crank out information pretty quickly right now because they realize <laughs> they are, um, they have the most in-demand product in America in their hands right now. So suddenly they are a... There, are, it's Black Friday for these organizations with a deluge of calls and emails and people filling out forms and trying to access their
0: website. So they, they're they under a lot of pressure. Right, exactly. Uh, so moving on to one other thing that I wanted to talk about this week, Bob Hastings just passed away. Uh, he was influential in the Chamber of Commerce for many years. Tell me a little bit about Bob and, and his life and the work that he's done in Door County. Well, oh, yeah. Um, in your time here, Andrew, obviously, it's,
1: we've had the Door County Visitor Bureau, which is now Destination Door County. That is an, an evolution of the Door County Chamber of Commerce, which uh, in 1990, Bob Hastings was a board member, and they had, uh, I believe his name was Wally Blevins, who had um, stepped down as the director, and they were trying to figure out who would do it next, and, and Bob had said, well all right, I'll be, I'll, I'll do it on an interim basis. You know, Bob was about 40, 42 at the time and it turned out he loved doing it. So then they hired him full time and he, um, embarked on a pretty ambitious plan at the, I, I wouldn't even say a plan, but he, he took on some pretty big projects. Um, and we know how hard that can be for people in that position to go out and make pretty bold moves and, um, take on controversial subjects and Bob Hastings was not a guy afraid to do that.
0: Right. Yeah. It can be difficult just to, you know, iterate on something that's already there, but to, to push into a new realm, I think is, is the more challenging thing. And you, you told me about how he was influential in getting door County online as well.
1: Yeah. Um, early on, you know, at that time, most people up here, I mean, we, we laugh at dial up, but that didn't exist in 1990 really up here. And, They, Greg Swain, um, who started a company called Logical Solution, which became Inline and Bay Lakes Information Systems, which anybody who's in lodging up here knows who Greg Swain is because that is the backbone of what they do. But he was a local Gibraltar high school computer. He he described himself as a introverted computer geek who just spent tons of of hours programming. And he developed this product and then Bob Hastings saw it and was like, "Hey, come on in here. Let's talk about what else we can do with this uh, this whole World Wide Web thing." Is that and, his voice? Yeah. <laughs> um, and they collaborated, and, and and as Greg Swain said, he's like Bob was just good at finding people to do the projects and giving them the support and putting the right people in the room together, and then letting them go and try stuff. So. Like Greg started doing some things to connect all of the lodging entities in, in the county through the Chamber of Commerce so that you could get an immediate um, way of, of seeing what was available in the county. Like at that time, people were starting to watch the weather channel. So you didn't have to, people stopped booking like years in advance for Door County. They were doing it a few days out, looking at the weather and saying, well, do I want to come up or not? So it changed the way the lodging industry worked. And for a time, Door County was like one of the most advanced technological um technologically advanced tourism destinations in the world um Hmm. in the early 90s they actually set up these kiosk systems around the county so people coming in late could go and see like all right these these hotels have rooms available and these don't obviously like now we do that on our our cell phone and we just think that's just the way it is it's pretty easy to do right but back then even being able to stop at a kiosk was kind of mind-blowing so they they put us at the forefront. Of the internet and that actually helped spur the growth of dial-up internet in Door County. And so Gibraltar High School and some of the schools in Door County were some of the first schools to really be take their students online. And that a lot of that grew out of from the the projects that Bob Hastings and Greg Swain and Rick Gordon and Miriam Erickson were all working on. So interesting. It's kind of an interesting role of like, yeah, he's a chamber president, but in little ways, his his leadership helped impact a lot of different aspects of business.
0: Right. Um, also infamously or famously, or maybe infamously, uh, uh, an opponent of billboards in Door County, right? Yeah. He hated him. <laughs> um, he was, before he was a chamber, pre- uh, director,
1: he was a developer of, uh, on his own. So it was kind of when he came out against billboards and tried to fight to ban billboards throughout the county. Some people saw that as kind of, um, hypocritical. Because oh what? you're a developer and now you want to ban you you got your your thing done. Now you're trying to ban other people from advertising their thing. Right. Um but he was he was a proponent of like the right kind of development, which is up in the eye of the beholder. And yeah, subject He agreed with Bob, you were on his side. If you didn't, you know, you thought he was a hypocrite. But his his fight against billboards, he just saw them as dirtying up the doorstep, especially the ones south of Sturgeon Bay, but also throughout the county. He tried to ban them. There are stories that he went with a chainsaw and actually cut down billboards. I wasn't able to confirm that, but <laughs> I heard that from multiple people um actually testified in front of the county board of Supervisors and very was a very public opponent of him, which is an odd take for a for a chamber of commerce, a business organization to be like anti um, business advertising right. So not everybody loved him for that and for some of his other moves, but he wasn't afraid to do it. He was um, confident enough and strong enough in his position to like, do something bold and take a chance on something, even if it might fail. And the billboard thing failed, but it did draw a lot of attention to the issue. And it did help lead to changes in our sign ordinances and the way at least some of the communities regulated signs and billboards.
0: Right. Well, and it, it it's, it's telling that it's still something that we talk about, right? Yeah. I mean, we we had just talked about billboards at the beginning of the year. I wish um, he had succeeded. <laughs> right. Well, sure. Um, and, you know, with with the stuff that just happened with the new digital billboard that was put up. So it's like th- these are still conversations that we're having even, you know, 20, 30 years after, after yeah. he was having those conversations. Right. Um, and so
1: that's, that's a testament to the kind of impact and, and the vision he had. Like he could see a little bit bigger than um, the immediate needs and the immediate, uh, whack-a-mole of that you can fall into in that position. And I talked to Annie Alberts, who was a managing director of the, or the membership director of the bureau at the time. And she said it was, he was just a, a fun, empowering guy to work for, because if you had an idea, he would give you the rope to go and attack it. And then if it didn't work, he, she said he had your back if you failed. So you just imagine in any workplace or you know, whether you're a sports coach or a town president or something like that, like having employees who feel like they can take a chance at something, that's how you move things forward. And it sounds like he was definitely that guy. And that's how you ended up with, you know, the Festival of Blossoms started under his leadership where he went out and ordered tons of daffodil bulbs and resold in the businesses and personally went out and planted tons of them. Um, Some of the early bike routes in the county started with him going around and putting up bike route signs, um, some some say before he had permission. <laughs> um, and then Door County Lighthouse tours. A lot of those things started in just like the seven year period that he was running the Chamber of Commerce. And those were all in their own ways. It was, those are kind of risky things to do. Some of them were very risky to do and not as easily accepted. So. Right,
0: well, and, and all of them things that we kind of associate with our Door County experience now, right? The Lighthouses are such a big icon for Door County and the way that we interact with them or are able to interact with them at a deeper level is through the White Lighthouse tours. Right. So it, it it's amazing to think of the things that maybe have always been here, but haven't always been as accessible. Right. And and so bike paths and things like that allow people greater access to these things that we've had for so long. And you don't think of that just being something that's only been around for 30 years. And it
1: it gives you a message for today a little bit in that, you know, he was only the chamber president for chamber director from 90 to 97. Then he left to, he founded Door County Magazine before that got wrapped up by Gannett and eventually killed off by Gannett, but um, did that for a little while. And then he went out to Massachusetts and headed up visitor organizations on the East Coast. Um, But you look back at what he was able to do in those seven or eight years and you think of. Like, what, what are those ways that we need to broaden our horizons in the county now? And how, how do we think boldly about what we want to be and what we want to do and what we want to protect? You know, especially now as we get
0: more and more visitors to the county, how do we manage that better? Right. You know, I think that looking back on what was and looking forward to what we want to do next is a, a great segue for how I want to wrap this episode up. Deb had a conversation with Mayor Ward uh, about 2020 and the things that happened there and, and what uh, what we're kind of looking towards in 2021. So we will jump into that next. Miles, is there anything else that we haven't covered this week that you think is important for people to know? I think we're in pretty good shape. Sweet. Then with that, Miles, uh, I will let you go. Thank you for chatting with me. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. All right. Thank you, Andrew.
2: Today, I'm talking with the mayor of Sturgeon Bay, David Ward. Thanks for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about the past year and things that actually were achieved.
3: Absolutely. The theme for the year, which is COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, things were kind of smoothly going along until about St. Patrick's day, if you remember. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: And at that point in time, the governor issued a, an order. Um, it became evident from national and state statistics that we had a serious problem on our hands and we were all going to have to, uh, work our way around it (laughs) and through it. So, um, Beginning in March, you know, with the council declaring a state of emergency for 60 days, um, we began working through this uh, COVID-19. I think we got a great response from city staff and from lots of others in the community. The fire and police departments, of course, are in the front line. They're likely to come in contact with people, many of whom might be infected. Uh, they, the fire department had to re- work through a COVID infection uh, sequence that reduced the force.
2: I heard about that just tangentially. So, how long were they out with that?
3: Well, uh, they got to the point. It wasn't so much the the timing. Probably that period was about three weeks. Okay, but but what happened was that we got to the point where the chief and the assistant chief had to work shifts
4: hmm.
3: um so they were back and and they were familiar with this and so forth but
4: mm-hmm.
3: that wouldn't be their normal role sure so that we got through that we had a, a one or two infections in the police department they uh, adjusted shifts like, likewise
4: mm-hmm.
3: The city employees worked through this. We we modified their their working situation. Some didn't want to have a partner in a truck, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But um, they really all pulled together. Okay. Uh, the cl- clerk's office um, conducted three general elections. That's really amazing. Three, three general elections, the spring, the primary, and then, of course, the national election. Which
2: is amazing anyway, and these were all so modified.
3: Yes, and and so the first one was was a little bit more tense. We had reduced the number of polling polling places,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, but thereafter we figured out how to do it using the normal polling places, and uh, they just did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say enough about what Destination Sturgeon Bay did to help businesses. This mm-hmm. was particularly hard on small businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm a a larger business in town, you know, we've got some excellent, large businesses, they're driven by their contracts. Um, and their main job was protecting their employees and managing COVID. if, If it did impact their employees for small businesses, the shops, the restaurants, uh, there may only be three or four or five people. Mm -hmm. And uh, not only was there a big reduction in demand, at least for a couple of months, but also there were infections in in the help. So Mm
4: -hmm.
3: really, really hard time. The uh, destination Sturgeon Bay worked with the local businesses uh, the local businesses innovated, mm-hmm. you know, they, they got into the carryout business in a very serious way. Uh, and local people did a good job of, of shopping there, mm-hmm. of buying, uh, things. And that, that's still going on.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, the,
3: the dining under the stars thing kind of popped up, um, toward late summer with this idea that on Saturday nights, we'd close down, uh our major street, which is Third Avenue, mm-hmm. and um, allow people to walk around, and more importantly, to have the restaurants uh, have dining outside of their uh, establishment's door. Mm-hmm. That worked very well, I think. Um, a, a number of merchants um, commented on on the fact that um, the um, their business was you know good during that period of time so uh that all that all worked out very well and it worked well uh, enough
2: that you actually extended it for for a number of weekends <laughs> beyond what you were really we well intended yeah
3: yeah we did until the weather finally shut us sure. down but mm-hmm. but uh, we're gonna revive it next year So um, that probably not until the warmer weather. But
2: so that's probably one of the silver linings, showing things that people can do to innovate.
3: Yeah, I I could I could kind of envision ten years from now someone saying, "Well, why are you open on Saturday nights?"
4: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Someone will
3: say, "Well." Do you remember COVID-19? Sure. <laughs> uh, that's where it began. So, so you've got to take what you can from this. Mm-hmm. Um, the local businesses, we had a number of them. I, I, and I point to the investment um, from Todd Trimberger and Kelton Reitz um, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, they went ahead with that list project mm-hmm. that was really important because it showed people that the community was moving and they had a, you know, it's a fabulous store, I think. Mm-hmm. And they had this soft opening after this unwrapping Sturgeon Bay event, mm-hmm. which was, which was another kind of innovation from destination Sturgeon Bay. Hey, let's have, uh, the shop owners, uh, decorate the windows, put some wrapping paper up, uh, Turn it off and we'll have a little parade through town.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And they thought they would have a hundred cars, you know, a hundred people. Uh, well, when I got there, uh, they wanted the mayor and so, okay, got there half an hour early. There was no place to park, yes. um, things kept filling up and mm-hmm. you know, pretty soon the best guesses are somewhere between 500 and 700 vehicles.
2: And that is astonishing. Um, <laughs> It really is. It, was,
3: it was it was really something to participate and just kind of look around and say wow
2: mm-hmm. this
3: is this is really great and so everybody just painted their
2: cars right i mean so yep. nobody was yeah yep.
4: hmm.
3: roll down their windows and talk to the people next door that mm-hmm. sort of thing and um you know it says a lot about the sort of resilience in our county really mm-hmm. um, anyway i kind of continuing on in addition to that um with the help of alderman gary knalt destination sturgeon bay went after these two national fishing tournaments that got canceled in other states
4: Mm -hmm.
3: and boy did that light the town up Mm uh in you know for a couple of weeks and really helped both the um restaurant businesses the shops and also the hotels Mm -hmm. so that was great we had three other organizations that i think did really great work obviously door county medical center
4: Mm
3: -hmm. we're very lucky to have that asset here yes Uh, the door county economic development corporation which kept up and is keeping up a flow of information on things like the cares money Mm -hmm. uh, on the payroll protection um plan Mm -hmm. and the community foundation. So we have, you know, I'm a consultant, I'm an economic consultant. I've worked with a lot of counties and cities in 13 or 14 states. Okay, And we have what I always term the soft infrastructure, the organizations that uh, talk to each other, that uh, make a big difference when you have a problem because you can, um, you can get this networking and and some solutions. And so I think uh, you know it's hard to. That's not something you can put your hands on
2: economically that, speaking. Right.
3: Right. And you that's the soft <laughs> That's the soft part, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like how important people are and people communicating with each other. Right. So then, um, city projects, uh, there were some pretty visible ones. We had, uh, we had Nina Avenue torn up for, a number of weeks, that was American Transmission Company
4: mm-hmm.
3: putting a high voltage line, a new high voltage line under the bay mm-hmm. from the from the west side to the east side. A lot of people mentioned, oh, well, why, you know, the gas company, which put one in down by the Bayview Bridge, the gas line, mm-hmm. they put it in a lot faster. Well, this was a little more complicated. Sure. But those two projects together say something about the improvements were... Driven by demand. Hmm. And so I think this year,
4: oh, that's right. and that
3: kind of, kind of challenges you talked about, which I think um, continue into this year,
4: mm-hmm.
3: hopefully not as bad. It was high water, oh, right. um, high levels of the lake and bay. Um, and we had to close part of Memorial there. I put in a temporary street on Alabama close to Sunset Park there. Mm-hmm. And we did a major amount of shore protection at Bayview Park, which is the railroad spur in back of Sunny's
4: mm-hmm.
3: and, and at Sunset Park. And this year we'll be working on the Park.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So my thinking is by the time we get this, um, Shore protection done, I would just bet you that the water goes down.
2: I'm you sure. Know, it the, seems the, like it's it going works. that way, sure.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm hoping for a little respite next year. I, uh, because I live on the water, Judy and I live right on the bay hmm. next to the canal. Uh, I watch it almost by the hour. It's uh-huh. an amazing, amazing natural phenomenon. The, the water, you know, and usually does rise. And drop four inches in a day. Huh. Depends on the wind. Interesting. Sometimes more than that. Yeah. Investment uh, front. Obviously, we had a start on the Bay Ship expansion. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a major expansion. I call it the most important economic thing to happen in Sturgeon Bay in twenty five years. Huh. Uh, that is that is going to be extremely important, and it'll be more evident uh, in the next year and. Maybe two. Um, smaller things, but important, Dan's Fish. Uh, a lot of people don't realize we have a fish processor in town. hmm A uh, million-dollar expansion. Right. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a really important industry. It was one of the industries that the area was founded on, fishing.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's a cool we storage a- expansion, isn't its is,
3: is, Yes. yeah, yes. mm-hmm. A lot of freezing
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, products. Uh, we had the completion of a, a number of those multi-unit housing projects. Um, some of them were completed in the prior year. But um, a total of 168 units were added to the city over a period of about... Um, 36 months or so
4: really, and
3: yeah. And the remarkable thing, they all filled up, huh.
4: really
3: you know, surprised. we, we kept, yeah, we, we kept hearing back when a lot of the permitting was going on. Oh, you're going to overbuild. And well, you know, it could be, but you don't get investors coming in, you know, investing several million dollars thinking they're not going to fill it now even they didn't believe they would fill the units as fast as they did Hmm. so i think there's yet more demand the housing study that was done here Mm -hmm. kind of indicates that sure then let me talk talk about the city finances and taxes okay Uh, property taxes this year or when folks got their bill, a number of them were surprised uh, and it included me Mm -hmm. and uh, Uh Judy and I looked at a uh, $1,800 increase in our taxes. Um, So where did that come from? Well, um, there really are two drivers. The first, um, and probably the largest, and you can see it on your tax bill. That's a specific, um, footnote on it were costs associated with school referendums. Mm-hmm. And, and we did have uh, a referendum and I voted for it and lots of other people voted for it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And in the end, you do have to pay the bill for that. Right. So, um, taxes went up for that. The second, thing was the reassessment. Now, it had been 13 years since we reassessed property here.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. So if you bought your house in 2007, uh, not much happened to the value of it unless you pulled a building permit that would cause somebody to come out and take a look. Mm So for 13 years, nothing happened. Well, then we started to run close to the state law limit Mm-hmm. which says that anytime you get below 80% so if your if your values in the city are 80% or less of their true value you, you have to do a reassessment
4: mm-hmm.
3: and we were at about 82%, 81 and we're going to cross over there so we had to we're, we were going to have to do a reassessment mm-hmm. um the the second issue that really drove our decision to do a reassessment was this dark store issue. Sure. And this is um, a lot of people know about uh, certain uh, businesses that uh, go in and appeal their property tax and want their buildings assessed as though they were vacant,
4: Mm -hmm.
3: which, um, as an economist, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But uh, we had a dark store issue. We've had several dark store suits here.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And we lost the last one. And the judge basically said, well, you haven't done a a reassessment in 13 years.
2: Which is really surprising, isn't it? I mean, that's a long time to go, isn't
3: it? It is a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, But, you know, uh, these things cost some money. Mm -hmm. And so right at the time, say 2007, 2008, right at the time that this process was completed the last time, we went through and still are going through a period of time in which the state legislature is limiting what we can do in raising our property taxes. So, if you have a, a major expense, then you're probably talking easily six figures. It uh, could be as high as uh, quarter of a million dollars
4: mm-hmm. to
3: do a reassessment. You just you just put it off. You know, you need you need your roads repaired. You need your you know um, your other uh, city improvements, your parks, and so forth. You need those taken care of. So we started to put money aside back three or four years ago. And finally we had had enough money to pay for it out of the balance there. Hmm. Um, I think going forward, uh, you know, I won't be around for it, but good government would tell you that probably in seven or eight years, you might want to do that again. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: Um, we had a very successful year in getting outside grants, for city and private projects, um, we had three They total about seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is real money. We have a Assistance Grant on the West Waterfront. That'll help put in some improvements. That'll service uh, the Sarter Tug operation, mm-hmm. and, and it will also help uh, in in the uh, waterfront promenade there. Um, and we got a CDI grant for the bliss redevelopment. Uh, this is the CDI grants. The municipality has to apply for it, mm-hmm. but it's for a private purpose. Uh, we got one for the Maritime Museum the year before.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So we went in for one for Yonkers uh, last year and got it. Mm-hmm. We're going back again for one for the tap.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, now, You know, I don't, eventually they're going to get tired of us, I think, to to, to get, to get two of these in, in, you know, back to back, Mm -hmm. that was pretty unusual, but we hope, you know, and you can't be a winner unless you're a player. Right. And then finally, um, with a city engineer, uh, put in a bid on some street funds from the state. (laughs) and got uh, over $200,000 to rebuild Nina Avenue.
2: Right, which is kind of tenuous for a little while there. He almost lost
3: it. It was. Yeah. (laughs) But you returned it. Yeah, we'll we'll get it back in shape. Mm -hmm. So overall, the city finances are in good shape. Um, The annual, for for folks who are interested in that, there's, every year we issue some kinds of bonds. Mm -hmm. And before you can issue those bonds, uh, Moody's does a rating of the city, mm-hmm. so it's all pretty much there to look at, and uh, you know uh, you can see what their opinion is, and their opinion is that um, the house is in order,
2: right? And you did borrow um, this year, so you know that that's that's current.
3: That's that's exactly right. At pretty um,
2: significantly low interest rates, I might add too.
3: Oh, the the interest rates are. Uh, extraordinarily low. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're paying less than 1% for money, mm-hmm. that is, uh, from an economic standpoint, just unheard of. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the, the thing to be careful about, and I caution council and others, <laughs> yeah, it might be 1%, but you still have to pay the principal back. hmm right. So, you have to watch what's happening there. Um, and that kind of moves me to common council. We had, I, I think we had a fantastic year. Um, even though we had to meet for the first time virtually mm-hmm. during COVID, um, uh, the, the folks on the council did a good job of adapting to that. Mm-hmm. We did have to replace one of our aldermen persons, uh, David Hayes, uh, resigned to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, And you know, I think we did did that pretty efficiently. Um, We moved forward on a kind of controversial area, which was the granary project. Mm -hmm. Um, There are two major amendments that occurred last year. In in the first one, um, the uh, amendment was changed so that the city does not own the final property that was the original agreement that the city would would uh, have um, ownership of the property we we really aren't equipped to do a lot of um, management what i'll call property management so and then uh, you know we had a second amendment to just kind of clarify what's going to be in there because on that first amendment agreement we made a, I think, a major move forward by having some public restrooms associated with the granary project. Mm-hmm. and This kind of serves them and it serves us. Um, so that, that will be good. Uh, I anticipate this year we'll be seeing the construction in the spring. And from the drawings I've seen of the building, I think it'll be a fine building.
2: And so they will Um, be announcing some plans, but that really technically does not have to be done until what, 2022? Is
3: that? June of 2022. Sure.
2: Okay. So they'll be moving along on that.
3: Right. And part of the amendment uh, was to extend that timeline. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the quid pro quo quo is, okay, you aren't going to own it. Okay, you, you get some extra time to finish it so that everything kind of worked out. And I think, um, I do think, and and it's still with some folks, a controversial project. I do think in the end it'll work out fine. And it's another one of those in 10 years, nobody's going to really remember how it, got um, <laughs> how it got there and why mm-hmm. it's, it is where it is. So, um, so 2021, that, you know, greenery is part of that. Um, I think we're going to see a major expansion of the business tax base with the base ship expansion. That does help the tax rate. It does help on the school referendum tax. Mm -hmm. If you have more dollars to spread that over, um, that, does reduce the impact. I'm not saying that your taxes are going to fall dramatically, but they. I think that there'll be um, a lot of good uh, runoff from that ship expansion and other business projects that likely will happen here.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: The West Waterfront Promenade and Graham Park, if you take them as, as a sort of a couplet there, uh, on the west side, by June we should have that walk that will join uh, Michigan Street to the Oregon Street Bridge,
4: uh-huh.
3: right along the water. Right, And uh, I think it'll be, uh, a, along with the Maritime Museum, uh, just a fabulous attraction. And then going over to the other side, Graham Park, uh, opening in May, and as I've remarked, I, to my knowledge, the first fountain in the city, uh-huh. uh, I think that will be very and, nice. both,
2: and both of those projects will be um, completing about the same time, right? So th- about
3: the same time. Okay. We, yeah. Right. So then, that probably would- the Grand Grand Park will be just a month or two earlier, okay. because so much work okay. was done last year.
2: And then, meanwhile, there is a waterfront project for the apartment. Building. <laughs> yeah.
3: that's right. Okay. We have a number of projects coming. Yes. Uh, yes. One is the uh, on the west waterfront which is um, the, you know, that's the controversial Lot 92, Parcel 92, Parcel 100.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But on Parcel 92, which is the largest of them, uh, we've got a pretty solid proposal for an apartment building along there. That, that's another thing that's likely to hit the Planning Commission this month. Yes. Um, in in a conceptual way. Right. So Um, we'll
2: get to see those plans and and what is intended for that site. So that process really has to be
3: Okay, Right, exactly. And this Mm -hmm. West Waterfront Development Project, which uh, is being proposed by North Point, they're the ones going to do the West Side School, Mm -hmm. um, and have a good reputation from the quality of their projects there be a lot of underground parking there hmm. that'll help because mm-hmm. parking is going to be, you know, everybody's uh, talking about the West waterfront and I think it's going to be fabulous. But in the end, if you get a lot of people down there, you got to have some parking, got to right. be able to, uh, so that they can get to it. Um, th- there are some other things that are happening. Uh, I mentioned the West side school project, um, and the redevelopment of that, that won't be a very large number of units, only be 15 units, Right. but that building, saving that building, I think is important. I think it's such a landmark.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, so that's, that's going to go forward. Um, there's some major remodeling rebuilding work being done in the first block of, uh, third Avenue off of Jefferson. Hmm. Um, with the tap, the Advocate building, and across the street, two two more buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be a nice uh, a nice addition. And then finally, and, and finally, <laughs> we're going to re- rebuild Nina Avenue. Which, uh, if in running for mayor, I heard about Nina Avenue more than almost anything other than the granary. Really. So- yeah, it was in terrible shape in okay. in a number of sections. I mean, there were there were sections that were fine, mm-hmm. and then sections that you think you're going to lose your car. Huh,
4: uh, so
3: so then you know we we did the best job we could of doing the major patching, but eventually that stuff doesn't you know come together as nicely as if you are laying a continuous ribbon of asphalt or concrete or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So that will, uh, and the other thing that I think it showed was how much of a major entrance to the city that street is.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so you've got the green day road and then egg Harbor. Um, and then you go all the way to Michigan and then, uh, out to, um, uh, egg Harbor road. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be it'll be very nice, particularly because it will go a couple blocks into the industrial park, and that road in there is uh, you know takes a real beating with all the trucks that go in there. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm uh, optimistic. Challenges for next year, as always, um, with the legislature and tax um, tax policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this this year uh we're lucky and we're not lucky we're We're lucky in a way that we did not have a lot of revenue outside of property taxes. Mm-hmm. It's also unlucky because um it, it's better to have mo- multiple revenue sources, but cities are limited they can't impose a sales tax
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh you know, so, uh, that's, that that's, what it is. Mm-hmm. And it, it accounts for in, in Spurgeon Day and a lot of other communities, uh, service fees on various things. Um, we, we're fortunate. We have a, pretty good general fund balance if something really bad happens we've got a little cushion Mm -hmm. um but i don't expect a lot of relief from the legislature we might get lucky um and get some federal money um with a new administration Mm -hmm. but um You know that's likely to be one-time money, so you got to be careful how you uh, put that in. Mm-hmm. Uh, this the other thing is the water. Uh, you know, it would be nice if the water level dropped eight or ten inches. <laughs> um, that would would help everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just, um,
2: basically, unbudgeted things that you do need to fix when they're happening at the time. Is that that's
3: exactly with- right? Yeah, right and. We were lucky. We we got two really good prices on um, stone, in, in effect, the building material that they had to use to put the shoreline protection in, um, because the contractor that bid had uh, quarries within five or six miles of the city. So there were, was probably half of what we anticipated. In fact, it was so low that the council members were suspect A that the uh, yeah. <laughs> that the folks would right. actually deliver.
2: Yes, yes, but it turned
3: absolutely. out well. Okay, you know, so, so it now, turned out well.
2: So it sounds like uh, you know the city was able to um, endure twenty twenty, not only endure but really achieve um, something. Some cities are not in such good positions. Uh, That's right. You know, the pandemic is not done with us yet. We still, you know. It isn't. Right. Um, The virus is is here. I mean, the uh, vaccination is here. So that brings us hope. But we do still have many months um, where, you know, we probably will be in a status quo.
3: Yeah, I think uh, I sort of tell people my own opinion now. Nothing scientific about this. But I think the next three to four months is is important. Mm-hmm. Um, the businesses typically, you know, have hung on through the through that uh, year. In fact, you know, we had businesses here that actually had record years.
2: I, I've heard that myself. Uh, yes.
3: And and yet again, you the business next door, not so much. Right. So some it, it was been... very uneven. Yes very uneven. And so we, we need to get through the next three to four months because I think uh, by June, July, um, which is good news because it's kind of our, I mean, tourist season. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we have, you know, better prospects. The other thing we found out was that because we were a day drive away from so many population centers, uh, we did attract a lot of first-time visitors. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think they probably liked what they experienced under the circumstances. It wasn't, you know, optimal, but, um, you know, so I think from that standpoint, the tourism industry lines up well. Probably more importantly, and it's a sort of thing that's harder to follow, um, our our manufacturing businesses, I think, are in good position. Hmm. Uh, they had, they did some adaptation to the COVID thing and made some product in that direction. Many of them, I think of Bay Ship, Marine Travel Lift, uh had, uh, happened to be in the right business. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you couldn't find a business that probably prospered more than the maritime boating industry business. Hmm. And that's helped, um, a number of, of our businesses here who, um, make equipment that moves boats or uh, services boats or whatever.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So, um, I think we're pretty well positioned for, uh, 2021 and 22. Um, we'll begin to see, uh, with that ship contract that we're participating in with Marinette Marine, we'll begin to see, um, personnel assigned to Sturgeon Bay, uh, Navy personnel, other subcontractors, Mm -hmm. Uh, as part of that um, frigate contract. So that that's sort of something to watch for. I think that might be um, good for you know, restaurants, hotels, mm-hmm. just in general for our businesses.
2: And then also that beautification plan that yeah. That the mm-hmm. shipbuilder is going to be coming in with within six months, I guess. Now,
3: so right. sign the agreement. So, yeah. So the the uh, plan was approved um, Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. The MOU was, and so now we have to sign it, and then there's six months to get the plan done. Uh, they are busy on a lot of things, and I understand they're, you know, they are. And so there are so many tasks to do, but I think we'll get that done.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, And we also have some money in our budget, not a lot, but to do more work, maybe there, maybe further down on Third Avenue towards Sunset Park.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. It's a beautification and and, um, hopefully... We get a break on the water because that really damaged so much of sunset that mm. um, um, it would be nice to be able to recover down there.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you so. certainly have have given us a you know a lot of good things to uh, consider. Um, like I said, it was just kind of refreshing to hear. Um, to hear the that things do actually still get accomplished, even though we're all kind of accustomed to moving through the, the, the negative, bad news kind of things that are happening constantly. So I appreciate you coming on today uh, to talk with me. Um, David, thank you very much.
3: You're welcome. It, uh, it actually caused me to look back at the year and I'm even more optimistic now.